Holy and loving God, write a message on our hearts. Bless us, direct us, send us out. Living letters of the word. Amen. Amen. I saw a dear friend a few days ago. We were celebrating Christmas as well as my daughter's birthday. Family and friends were over at the house, and this particular friend was part of the crowd. And when the opportunity presented itself, we were, we, as we are wont to do, we procured a festive beverage and repaired to a quiet corner for actual conversation. We began with the usual, how are you? How was your trip? How's the dog? Thanks for the gift, etc. And then we asked again, but how are you? This was not idle chit-chat like before, but an honest and real inquiry, an invitation to go deeper. And his reply was haunting. He said, I am profoundly lonely. I didn't know what to say. How do you reply to something like that? Well, gee, that stinks. Hang in there, slugger. I'm almost sure if I'd offered a pastoral response like that, I would have received a deserved punch in the nose. On the surface, my friend does not look like one who is lonely. He is successful and gregarious. He is a ferocious hugger with a twinkle in his eye. He is intelligent, recognized as a leader in his vocation. He could easily kick your behind at trivial pursuit or scrabble or bridge, something that he has done to me on multiple occasions. So when you ask someone like that how they are doing, you naturally expect them to say, awesome, I've got the world on a string. Bill Gates, Richard Branson, and I were skydiving the other day, and we solved all the world's problems. But instead, he said, I am profoundly lonely. This morning, our Christmas crash is complete. For the Gospel of Matthew reports that in the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we have observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. Of all the players in our annual Christmas drama, these last three are the ones we know the least about. We have meditated on Mary and Joseph. We can imagine the angels we identify with the shepherds. And the baby, well, I imagine we'll hear more from him later. But these wise ones, who were they? Were they kings, merely magicians, or learned wanderers? Did they really ride camels? Did they traverse afar over field and fountain, moor and mountain? I don't know the answer to these questions. But I would conjecture this morning that these wise folk were not unlike my friend. They were most likely accomplished, respected, book smart, the go-to guys if someone had a deep question or a complex issue. Imagine Gandalf or Dumbledore or a wandering Jedi. Could that sentence be any more geek? So you would assume that such people, like my friend, have it all together, are fully evolved, are satisfied with their lives. But instead, they are looking for something. They are seeking. 
so much so that they are willing to travel great distances, great distances to find it. Who were these wise men? And much more interestingly, what are they looking for? One of my favorite singer-songwriters is David Wilcox. And one of my favorite songs of his is a bittersweet, mid-tempo tune, That is What the Lonely is For. The chorus sings, When I get lonely, that is only a sign that some room is empty, and that room is there by design. And if I feel hollow, that's just proof that there's more for me to follow. That's what the lonely is for. We, all of us, you, my friend, me, the wise men, all of us, we can be lonely, sometimes profoundly lonely. We may be happy, we may be healthy, we may have satisfying jobs and inquiring minds and healthy marriages and be surrounded by a chorus of friends and loving family and well-behaved children. Or not so much. But regardless of who you are, we can still be lonely. We can still seek. We can still feel hollow. This loneliness may come from the loss of or desire for a companion, a vocational or personal dissatisfaction, feeling trapped in an addiction or a diagnosis, or more profoundly, a sense of otherness in the universe, but an uncertainty about where or how to connect. Moreover, in this time of year, when the world falls in love, as Sinatra sang, such loneliness can be laid bare, and it aches more than ever. Some churches have begun a new tradition called a blue Christmas service. This liturgies do not feature clergy dressed as Elvis Presley, although that, that might be worth the price of admission. But in all seriousness, it allows a space for those for whom this season is difficult to name their pains and their loneliness and pray for God's presence and God's healing. But how is this healing manifest? Where can we find it? For our answer, let us look to the wise men. Some scholars refer to the fourth gift of the wise men. We know of the big three, gold and frankincense and myrrh. They were foretold by the prophets as we heard this morning. However, these three are not nearly as, as important as the fourth. For the fourth gift, and the most important, was their homage. And their homage says a lot more about who these wise guys were than gold or frankincense or myrrh. The word homage is repeated three times in 12 verses, and that repetition in the Bible is not by accident. For the Greek word translated as homage, proskuneho, means much more than a simple bow or due deference. Homage, or proskuneho, in this case means an abject reverence of the highest order. Prohuneho is what happens when Muslims kneel on their prayer rugs and place their foreheads on the ground. Prohuneho is our heart and flesh crying out as the hymn sings. 
Prohuneho is declaring that you are God and I am not. So I pay you homage. In Jesus, for these wise men, they had not made just another discovery, another extracted nugget of wisdom from some dusty text, another feather for their academic cap. Instead, they found a fulfillment of their emptiness, a loneliness deep within their soul. This homage was not a surrender of who they are and certainly not a surrender of their intellectual curiosity or veracity. But in Jesus, these folk found what they were finally looking for. Brothers and sisters, this homage is the beginning of a journey, a journey toward the heart of God. Such homage is not going to immediately cure all the complexities and disappointments of this life. Following Jesus, I'm afraid to say, is not that easy. But if we pay the babe homage, if we pray profoundly to reach out and reach out to God and say, I am not sure what you are, but I know I want to be a part of it then that is beginning is the beginning of something amazing and life-changing. And perhaps, just perhaps, if we pay him homage, we may not be so lonely anymore. Amen.